Go and catch a falling star. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Metaphysical Mondays on the Troubadour podcast. Today, we are going to read John Donne, a metaphysical poet, one of the first, the greatest, the original, and uh, the poem that he titled simply Song, and that is commonly called Go and Catch a Falling Star, which is based on the first line. Now, this we're going to see a lot of what is we've been talking about in terms of the metaphysical conceit. You know, I think it's often this poem is considered one of the more, more misogynistic of his poetry, which is definitely there. But I think if you understand that he's trying to abstract away something that's a little bit deeper and he gives a couple clues. So he uses, he kind of plays into a certain misogynistic view. And I think there's definitely a lot of reason to believe that there's also on top of that a uh, more universal, you know, going metaphysical, something that applies to all humans in general. Now, this is a tricky one on the surface. He uses a lot of allusion. He talks, there's a lot of metaphors, there's a lot of uh, mythologies and things of that nature, but it's all um, somewhat tongue-in-cheek. So it's, you know, it's, it's, far-fetched imagery again and metaphysical conceit where, you know, basically he's um, giving you these imagery, images and then he uses a, a technique that is called bathos, B-A-T-H-O-S, like pathos. And that's kind of almost like a punchline. It's a, it's a humor where you create this big ideas, these big images, and then you kind of undercut it with this simple conclusion like a punchline. So you'll hear in this, um, you know, it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight lines, although two of them are just two words. And the, the, all those lines use like this really far-fetched imagery. And it's, you know, it says, go and catch a falling star, star which we might think of something like Wish Upon a Shooting Star the, or the Perry Como song, um, you know, Catch a Falling Star, I think it's called, put it in your pocket, but save it for a rainy day. You might have heard that song before. Very famous song by Perry Como. Anyway, um, so there's there's that kind of idea, but it's obviously figurative because literally you can't catch a falling star. And what he's going to do is set up all the, you know, teach me to hear mermaids singing. You can't teach someone to hear mermaids singing because there's no such thing as a mermaid. Right? Or to keep, um, you know, he's going to tell me where all past years are. Like, where are they located? Where, where'd they go? It's like, you tell someone that. So he's setting up all these things and then he's going to say something at the end that's, um, you know, supposed to be in, to us, it may not be like laugh out loud funny, but it's supposed to be a kind of a, a pun funny punchline. Okay. So I'm going to read this one and we'll go through it. Uh, it shouldn't take that long. I want you to start getting some more of these quicker. And, um, you know, I hope you're also listening to Sunday morning poetry, you know, there's metaphysical Mondays. I'm going to be doing ballad Wednesdays a couple more times. And, um, I also have a show called peering at things, or at least a couple episodes we're doing with Jeff Britting, where we look at an object in history and we, um, you know, and then we, we talk about its relevance then and now culturally and artistically. Okay. So let's read this guy song, go and catch a falling star by John Dunn. Go and go. Let me start over. Go and catch a falling star. Get with child, a mandrake root. Tell me where all past years are. Or who cleft the devil's foot. 
teach me to hear mermaids singing, or to keep off envy's stinging, and to find what wind, wind, serves to advance an honest mind. If thou beest born to strange sights, things invisible to see, ride ten thousand days and nights, till age snow-white hairs on thee. Thou, when thou returnst, will tell me all strange wonders that befell thee, and swear nowhere lives a woman true and fair. If thou finds one, let me know. Such a pilgrimage were sweet, yet do not, I would not go, though at next door we might meet. Though she were true when you met her, and last till you write your letter, yet she will be false ere I come to two or three. Okay. So like with all great poetry, there's, there's more going on than you might think at the surface. I don't, the, the language is a little bit trickier than the one we did last week on woman's constancy, but I don't think it's that much more tricky. So it's, it's in a kind of common language. Now I started over because I said, go and catch a falling star. This is not the proper way. I think that he wrote it initially. Um, you know, we have to remember that this is written like late 1500s. So it's been, it's not like, you know, um, there's easy access. I don't know, when is the printing press? Like 1600s it's invented. It might be in 1500s when the printing press is invented, but I should know that. But anyway, so, you know, even if there was the printing press, which I don't think there was at this point, I think it's still a, you know, a little ways away before the printing press is even invented by Gutenberg. But anyway, there's, um, you know, a lot of stuff's getting copied down over and over again. So I think things get missing, but this go, you know, you could even put like an exclamation point. It's like go. Oh, and catch a, you know, catch a falling star. That's what you, so it's a command, go and fetch a, catch a falling star, which is something you cannot do, of course. Go with child or get with child, a mandrake root. So, you know, get with child. So ha impregnate yourself with a mandrake root. Now, a mandrake root looks like a human, by the way. So supposedly this is one I pulled off the internet. This is what a mandrake root might look like. Um, you know, you might see them on like Harry Potter, whether you use them for, uh, if you ever saw the movies or read the books, but it's, it's in a lot of fantasy type literature where, or if you play video games, you know, like, a, like a, a certain online video games, a mandrake root might help you make a potion or something. There's my nerd coming out. So there's, there's a lot of, you know, but that it has, a, this is a weird looking one. I don't know if this is Photoshopped or like a, a weird art design, but a mandrake root, you know, they can, the roots of them can look like a human. So in this one in particular, it might be a, a, a pregnant woman or something, or a very heavy set woman. Hopefully it's, well, I'll just leave that alone. But, <laughs> but there's, um, that, that's it. The idea of a mandrake root and get with a child, a mandrake root is either impregnate yourself with, buy a mandrake root or, or get, you know, um, some kind of witchery potion to get a woman pregnant. There's something, you know, he's saying something about those two relations or even have a child that is a mandrake root or something like that. So again, another impossibility, something you cannot do. You can't do that in real life. Okay. Um, tell me where all past years lie or, or past years are. Tell me where they are. You, it's not something you can say about years. Years are a measurement of time. It's the past. So how can you talk about, you know, a location? There's, it's not like they're on the island of yesterday. 
It's like, you can go to this island of yesterday. It's like, oh, let's walk on this island. It's like, oh, look, there's some cows and some beavers and some, you know, mandrake roots. And, oh, there's a woman who's impregnated by a mandrake root. Wait, what's going on? Oh, and they're all the years that ever passed before. And hmm, that's so weird. What does that even look like? Right. So it, again, this is kind of a metaphysical conceit that I think is what's considered a metaphysical conceit. It's like, it's a, an image that is, you know, a, a image of something metaphysically impossible, right? Like all the years created in this image or who cleft the devil's foot, right? Like if you think of an image of a devil with cleft feet, you know, hooves or something, or just even who created the devil, right? Tell me where all years are past or who cleft the devil's foot. Teach me to hear mermaids singing. So you can't hear a mermaid singing because there's not a mermaid singing. So we're talking fantastic, impossible images. Or to keep off envy's stinging and find what wind or wind serves to advance an honest mind. Now, to me, that I find that actually more interesting than a lot of other um, analysis that I've heard is the idea of a wind advancing an honest mind. So wind is all over the place, right? Like it could be the east wind and it can blow east, but it can also, if you've ever seen like things in the wind, it might go right, it might go left. I mean, it's it's all over the place. So it's not like a single tracked mind, which is something that you might want to have in life is just have like a focus in life. Instead, you have a, 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 a you know, um, keep off or to keep off envy stinging and to find what wind serves to advance an honest mind. So there is no wind that serves to uh, advance an on, uh, serves to advance an honest mind. I don't think. If next uh, stands up, if thou beest born to strange sights, so I think you know if you're a foreigner, if you're born somewhere else, if you're born in Saudi Arabia or the you know Arabian uh, uh, Persian Empire or something, things invisible see and to see. So and you could also see invisible things, right? So you have a special sight. So we often associate certain kind of foreigners, gypsies, uh, with the ability to see things that others can't, like tarot card readers and, you know, things of that nature. So if you're that type of person, if you were born to strange sight and you have the ability to see impossible things, ride 10,000 days and nights, that's I think 28 years, <laughs> till age snow white hairs on thee, until you get so old, this I think is another metaphysical deceit, is it's, it's not metaphysically impossible, but it is a huge hyperbole, a large exaggeration, a very big one to, to ride 10,000 days and nights, 27 years until your, your uh, hair turns snow white, which is an exaggeration in and of itself. You, thou, when thou, you, so you, thou, when thou returns, wilt tell me all strange wonders that befell me. So you'll go on this journey, this discover journey of discovery and you're going to come tell me all strange wonders that befell me and swear nowhere lives a woman true and fair. Okay. So now this is where we're getting the misogyny deeply, right? It's like you do all these things and you're never going to find a woman fair. That's the normal way that this is taken. I'm going to talk about another way to take this poem in a minute. If thou finds one, if you find one woman, supposedly, let me know, such a pilgrimage were sweet, yet do not, I would not go, though at next door we might meet. Though she were true when you met her, 
and last till you write your letter, yet she will be false ere I come to two or three. Okay, so this last stanza, he's saying, you know, if you find one, just tell me, because the pilgrimage is a sweet one to take, yet do not, I would not go, because you're not going to find one, right? Though at next door, you might, so even if you found one, even if there's one right next to you, though she were true when you met her, so if your next door neighbor, for instance, was true, a true woman, a true and honest and good and fair, beautiful woman, by the time you write this letter, till you write your letter, yet she will be false ere I come to, you know, before I encounter the one, two, three, he reiterates it before I encounter one, two, three, false. Right. So he's definitely saying something really negative about women's ability to stay constant again. So this is, you know, woman's constancy, um, just like we covered last week. Now, here's the thing. I think you could take this in a slightly different way because there, there's take this almost in a Christian way. Now, you might be able to put this as universal in terms of just femininity is not capable of being constant. And I think that's the simplest, and there is that in this. I think it's 100% clear that he's saying metaphysically to the core of women, they're not capable of being true. You're more likely to see all these strange and, and crazy things like, you know, to uh, become pregnant or find a pregnant woman who has who's pregnant with a mandrake root. Like that's more likely than to find um, a, a an honest woman. You're just not gonna find it. and a beautiful, honest and beautiful. That's even not. You know, you're gonna he- you you could teach me to hear mermaids singing first, and then you could find that beautiful, honest woman. That's that's more likely, right? You can go catch a falling star. That you go do that, and then you can t- show me this honest, beautiful woman, because those two things are not possible. I think that's a big part of it. One other thing you can look at it is you can look at all the religious terminology he uses, right? So there's, um, when he talks about the devil's cleft foot, you know, so who made the cleft, the devil's foot? It's God. Um, if thou find one, let me know. Such a pilgrimage were sweet. So there, there's an idea of making a pilgrimage, which is, which is a Christian idea. Though at next door we might meet, you know, so you're something about love thy neighbors, though she were true when you met her, and last till you write your letter. So this idea of, of communicating with someone. And this is a bit of a stretch, but you might be able to take this as he's expanding. Um, I mean, if you just look at the structure of what he's saying, right? He's doing these, these uh, lines that are uh, big, you know, large hyperbole. This is the bathos I was talking about. Go and catch a falling star, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera serves to advance an honest mind. So, you know, and find what when serves to advance an honest mind, which kind of is supposedly, you know, the bathos idea is to undercut all of those things. It becomes more clear in the next stanza. So, you know, if you're born of a, you know, with the ability to see into the future, for instance, or you're, you know, and from another land and you do this 30 year riding day and night and you see all these strange things, Oh, you know, nowhere will you find a woman true and fair. Or at least you'll say lives a woman true and fair. What's really interesting to me is this poem was written in late 1500s, probably early 1600s. I believe, and this just occurred to me, so I'm kind of stretching. I'd done other research on this, but something just occurred to me. 
a connection. And Sir Thomas More wrote A Utopia, which is the first, you know, what we consider, besides something like Plato's, uh, some of Plato's Republic and the thing, the the stories that he told um, of like the lost city of Atlantis. Sir Thomas More's poem or story Utopia is actually spelled, I think it's A-E-U at the beginning, Topia. And Topia, like topos, means where, a location, you know, like topo- topograph- topography, um, to, to draw a location. And the A-U is actually supposed to be a kind of negation. And he was doing a pun, a play on words. And I, I wonder if there's a kind of reference to this here. And swear nowhere lives a woman true, or at least something of that nature. And all these guys are experts in Latin. And so he knows about Thomas More and, and etc. I mean, they're from the same land, so they he would definitely have read that. And you know, Sir Thomas More, I'm quite sure happened. I think he must have died early 1500s, and he would have written Utopia obviously before he died. Um, so and I'm pretty sure it was published before he died. So he um but utopia means like this magical location, this mystical location, you know, but it's like this fantasy perfect land is how we think of it is this topos land. But the AUE thing at the beginning is, is actually a pun on no. So it's, it's a, it's a non-location. It's a location that we know we can't actually ever reach. So it's kind of a, just a location of the mind. It's an imaginative one. And, but there is this play on nowhere. Like it's not anywhere in in particular. And I wonder if there's almost a kind of play on that here to some degree and all strange wonders that, so it's almost like there's this utopian woman that's out there somewhere lives a woman true and fair. And you, so you might be able to go to this land and find this woman, but she doesn't, you know, actually exist. And then the the broader thing you could take this as, you know, is that it's kind of building to this idea that maybe just maybe it's not merely women. It's all Christians. Cause this is something about the fall, you know, the land that we actually live in, right? The land where you get these three bathos, you know, these three punchlines serves to advance an honest mind, lives a woman true and fair, false, ere I come to two, three, two or three. That, that's kind of the real world, right? In the real world. So you have this fantasy world that he builds up, go and catch a falling star, et cetera, et cetera. Serves an honest mind and, you know, serves to advance an honest mind, like an honest Christian mind, like honesty is a big, important virtue in Christianity. That's the real world. Everything else is kind of building up to that real world. Then you get this and find what wind serves to advance an honest mind. So it's kind of moving you into the, from the, the utopian land of this fantasy and possibilities into the real world and swear nowhere lives. And so there doesn't live in the real world, a woman true and fair. Right. And then on the last one, you get this and, and she's going to be false before you can even, you know, repeat one, two, three. But you could say that about all Christians. And you might be able to argue that, although I think it's a bit of a thin argument, but it's possible that that's part of what he's trying to get at is he's doing this poem that is aimed at, you know, a Christian audience. This is a song. It's meant to be sung communally. You know, there would be music accompanied to it. So people would sing this and maybe they would say, well, you know, all Christians aren't honest. It's not just women. It's all of us aren't honest. All of us are false within the count of one, two, three, because we're fallen, right? So it's like, they're, they're even in the looking at this and, and sounding of it, there is a sense of the fall. He has pilgrimage. He has, you know, the devil in there. So there's 
I think hints that this might be about the fall and maybe about the fall of a particular participant in the Garden of Eden, particularly Eve. And so maybe it is about that sense, but it's also got the idea that we're all fallen in one sense. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. This is Metaphysical Mondays on the Troubadour podcast. Uh, Stick around for Sunday morning poetry. And I'll still, as I said, do a couple of Ballad Wednesdays. Always go to troubadourmag.com for all the latest content. We're doing lots of shows, new short stories. I'll be reading some more Edgar Allan Poe science fiction. You know, if you're a teacher, if you're a human that wants to live a better life, you know, and experience life more than you can just by yourself without these great thinkers, if you're a homeschooler, if you're trying to homeschool your kids or something, I hope these podcasts and videos will be very beneficial to you in educating yourself on some of these classic poetry. And hopefully if you're a writer, my real goal, if you're a writer, you'll start to really grasp some of the usage of language that can be had with great poetry and great literature in general. And we can reinvigorate what is best about humanity.